Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. It's a privilege for me to be back again. I've been on the road a fair bit, only in Queensland. Um, all my preaching appointments in New South Wales and Victoria have been cancelled and booked later and yeah, it's a funny, funny old world we're living in at the moment, isn't it? Uh, anyway, it's a privilege to, um, that's who I am, if you're wondering. Um, it's a privilege for me to, uh, to share this with you. I have the great joy of, of being a, um, a father to a number of boys who aren't my biological sons. And uh, one of them that I've been mentoring and fathering over the years texted me this morning just giving thanks for a father nothing quite like it and uh, I've got my own sons three of them and uh, and I've got these other boys that I've been fathering and you know I believe that uh, in the generation that is coming this fathering this mothering is going to become a great feature, I believe, of the body of Christ. It'd be a good thing. I never had it. Um, I was grateful for my own father, of course, as a man of God himself. But I've been without him since the 30th of November 1994, when he died in a motor vehicle accident. And there is no way I can describe to you what that's like especially when you are asked by the police to go and identify his body. But the Holy Spirit said to me when I was uh, looking at him, he is not here. Hallelujah. For resurrection life, eh? Well, it's a great treat for me to come and to share with you. My text this morning is a familiar one in Exodus Chapter 20, verse 12. Honour your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Hallelujah. A good verse from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Very familiar. And you will know too that this is an interesting one in the sense that of all the commands of God, this one had a promise with it. There's a good reason for that, and I'll mention it a little bit later. And when Moses was repeating the law to um, the next generation of Israelites, he said the same thing in Deuteronomy 5, verse 16, and Leviticus 19, verse 3. He said the same thing to that generation as he was outlining what God had said. And when you go to the New Testament and you read verses like Matthew 15, 4, Mark 7, 10, Luke 18, 10, Ephesians 6, verse 2, all through the New Testament, there are references to this idea of honouring, honouring your parents. And that honouring has been a part of the faith from which we came Judaism, and was seen as an illustration of how you could be faithful to God in the earth 
You could do that by honouring your father and your mother. And the rabbis taught that given that the, the commands of God were put on two tablets of stone, that it was significant that the honouring of the father and mother, number five, was on the same tablet as the other first four that had to do with the honouring of God. The connection was seen as very important in life. And I was interested when we sang of this glory, this honour for God, the way we, we did. Well done to whoever picked the songs. You, you were um, very much in tune with what I felt to say here this morning. It, it's an interesting word, this honour. Um, what we use um, as the word honour is translated from a word which uh, in the Hebrew is kabod. The interesting thing about kabod is that it means both honour and glory. It talks about the glory of God, kabod. And it talks about the glory of, uh, of people and of, of uh, families and nations and so on. It talks about the honour of God, kabod. And it's, so it's a very interesting word, really, in, you know, for nerds like me who... Like Max over there who has to study Hebrew, the Lord is with us, isn't he, brother? He loves us, even though we have to do... And he's doing a second semester of Hebrew, so obviously he's more nerdy than I am. <laughs> Kabod. It's um, a simple word, and it's the root word for a lot of other words. Honour, honouring, glory, glorified, all those kinds of ways. And if you've ever looked at Hebrew you'll see they have a lot of dots and dashes that uh, fill in the detail for these different words that come from these, this root word of kabod. This is the word we use to understand what honour is. And it's made, up in the, um, it's made up in the plan, uh, in the language that uh, was very early when Moses was writing it. He used it as a a form of Paleo-Hebrew, it was very early, wasn't the same as you have it now. But you have these three ideas. You have three symbols, if you like. One is for the net letter, kaf, which is an open palm. One is for the letter bet, B, we would call it bet, which is like a house, it looks like a house. And if you could show that, does it come up on the, 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 the images there? Does it come up there? Show me those so I can show the folks. There they are. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I was looking up there and behold, I did not see it. Oh, well, see, see the one on the left? Well, the one on the right, rather. Because they wrote that way, right? Cuff, the open palm. Then bet, the house. And then you, the last one is Dalet, the door. It's an interesting word because, and if you just leave those up there, when God says honour, he doesn't say honour those who do the right thing by you. That's tricky, even difficult. He says honour God. Honour your mother and father. Honour one another. This is a big deal. 
big especially because it, it is a challenge to us to, to treat one another this way. It's not easy or straightforward. But we could change our nation with this. A culture of honour born in the body of Christ and carried by every believer wherever they went becomes one way we could change our country. We don't have to be smart with all the answers. We don't have to have all the money. We don't have to have all the influence. We don't have to have all the power. We can be the least among all our countrymen. And yet with a culture of honor, we can begin to change it. The open palm, the house, the door. The idea of being truly open-hearted, of inviting them into our lives and treating them like they were the in-crowd with us. It is God's plan, therefore, that we should understand that right from the very beginning, your God, your Creator wanted to provide a way so that no one would feel ever that they were not worth anything. No one would feel as though they were ex exceptions, pushed to one side whose voice should not be heard. No one would be treated like that. But we all know that churches become as guilty and as weak on this question of honor as anyone. And we can fail on this point so easily. And so this command from God on this very day that we remember fathers and the earlier time in the year when we remember mothers, this idea of honoring is really important. This idea of being open-hearted with one another, of inviting one another in, of opening the way for people are all kept in those three little paleo symbols, kabod. Or if you're really Hebrew, you'd probably say chabod. And actually, it's an interesting word in the sense of being this, it's kind of like the word weighty. Does that make sense? Um, chabod means weighty to give honour to someone who is worthy. Not someone who appears on the social media the most and whom we acknowledge and love and all the, the footballer or whatever. We're talking about honouring somebody because they're made in the image of God. They carry that image with them. Friends, this is why we mourn or should mourn when somebody's voice is snuffed out. This is why we as Christians get agitated about abortion because for us, each child is made in the image of God. It's not a straightforward thing for us just to say, oh, well, that's her choice. It's hard for us to do that. We are not unkind nor ungracious, nor do we pass judgment. And yet we know that there is something incredible 
in value. In other words, you are made in the image of God and you carry weight. You carry weight. You know I'm not talking about weight. I saw a picture of myself when I had my first child, my boy, Benjamin, 39 years ago. I saw a picture of myself. There's a saying that when you marry well, you get a little bigger. Is that true, brothers? <laughs> yes. There are a few people that are honestly looking at me and say, yes, brother, it is true. And there are others who are saying, no, not at all. I just... I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, well, 39 years. I looked at myself and I thought, gee whiz, it's, I was a bit lithe then. You know what I mean by lithe? We don't use lithe enough in sentences. Maybe we could practice that while we're drinking our ginger beer. I'm looking very lithe today, you know, that sort of thing. Or you could say to someone, you're very lithe today, aren't you? No, I look very svelte. Maybe svelte would help. <clears throat> I don't know if that's an English word. Is it an English word? Anyway, you, you got the idea that somebody, <clears throat> God wants us to treat with honor those who carry weight. He said that of himself. You see, the Lord was weighty, kabod. He was weighty. And therefore, he was worthy of honor. But he then started to say that other things were weighty, were worthy of honor. The idea of honour then was an old idea that has never changed in God's plan. That we are open-hearted to someone and we invite them into our lives. And if you like, they become our in-crowd. It's not philosophical or it's just a, a clever principle or a lofty intention. It isn't something you offer to someone who deserves it. It is something you actually do in obedience to God. I honour you because you are made in the image of my God. Therefore, we can therefore imagine how strange it will be when Australians see Christians <clears throat> treating them not as they are, but as they might be. Made in the image of God, carrying weight and value simply because they are made in the image of God. And we honour them. We honour them. I recognise, I, you know the idea, I see you. I see you. And this idea, therefore, is a good idea for us to remind ourselves about on this particular day when we, we recognise fathers. This honouring, of course, does apply to God, to Elohim first. And you hear the Lord's heart when he writes, when he speaks through Malachi. A son honours a father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honour? The culture of that day had become self-obsessed it was a culture of narcissism 
self-centeredness. And the only cure for narcissism, it would seem, would be to begin to honour others. And so God presented that challenge in Malachi 1.6 and said, where is my honour? We are in a narcissistic culture in the sense that <clears throat> so much of what we think about and see on social media particularly and in our movies is ideas of self being presented and yet God calls us to something very different he calls us to live a culture of honor in the earth this is his purpose for us in Exodus therefore he asked the people Honor, you honour me, now you must honour your father and your mother by treating them with the open-hearted, inviting them into your lives and in-crowd respect. And in return, I make you a promise that you will live long and prosper in the, in the land. This is why God gives the promise to this command more than any other. He doesn't put a promise on don't murder, and if you don't murder, I'll do this for you. He doesn't say, don't steal, and I'll do this for you. But he does say, honour your mother and father, and I will make you last long and prosper. Why would he do that? I think there's one simple reason. God knew how hard it would be. We love our parents. We love those who are over us in the Lord, but sometimes they do things that make it so hard. And yet God calls us and he says, I didn't, I didn't say, as it were, he would say, look, I didn't say it would be easy, I didn't say it would be straightforward, but I sense that what God is saying is that a culture of honour outdoes so much pain. It heals and restores I remember a young man telling me after his discipleship class that he was in, he said, I had a profound experience as I was studying the scriptures. This came up because they were in Matthew 15. And I said to him, because discipleship is not about what you learn. Discipleship is about a rhythm of discerning and doing. You've heard me talk about this before. I rabbit on about this all the time. I apologize. No, I don't apologize. I'm just going to rabbit on about it. It's, it's so important that you learn to discern what God is saying and then do it. You're not a disciple until you discern and do. You can have a head full of what the Bible says, and if you're not discerning and doing, you've not yet made it. You've not yet hit the jackpot. Anyway, um, he was saying, he, he got the study. He, they were talking about what Matthew 15 could mean. And they, then the questions from the, the, the catalyst in the group says, well, what are you going to do? And he said, in a moment of <coughs> confusion, he says, well, I'm going to ring my father up. And they said, oh, right, is that significant? He said, yes, I haven't spoken to him for over 10 years. I'm angry with him. I don't trust him. I don't want anything to do with him. And yet I feel, based on what God's word says, I'm discerning that God is saying, ring your father. And so that week, they waited to see whether he would do it. Got to the group the next week and they, they all wanted to ask him, well, what did you do? 
He said, I rang my father and spoke with him. I don't trust him yet, but I did what God said and I was able to be gracious and honouring of him. Interesting, eh? Real life experience of people who are learning to honour God and do what, it, it, uh, what he says rather than anything else. Coming out of slavery, God wanted to invest a culture of honour into Israel. And that's why he made it the fifth commandment. And that's why he made this one the exception to all the others by putting a promise on them. Friends, I hope you understand that whenever God says something to you, makes a command and then puts a promise on it, this is a gold mine for you. And yet you can actually live at a higher level by not actually wanting to prosper, but wanting to honor and you watch God bless you. Not because the person you're honoring is deserving of it, but because you are joining in with other believers in the earth to change the world one person at a time by the way we honor them, by the way we speak to them, by the way we treat them. Going by Facebook, I would say it is a strong possibility that there's a lot of Christians who overshare and people, Christian people get on Facebook and are just critical of others. Man, I've seen some of it. I don't go near Facebook, right? I don't go near Facebook, but, you know, I'm not asking you to put your hand up, yes, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> or put your hand up now and say, yes, I'm on Facebook right now as you're speaking. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying though, right? We could do a lot to transform one another. When somebody says something we don't agree with, we don't dishonor them. We don't tear at them. We don't hate them. We live at a time now where there's such polarities in our culture that we are at great risk of tearing one another as a nation asunder. And if something doesn't happen to address that, we will be in deep trouble. So therefore, my appeal to you as a brother of yours in Christ, let us begin here to make a culture of honor that touches every single man, woman, boy or girl that comes through that place. The broken included. The people with their ducks in a row, they can have it as well. Yeah? The people whose family is not the way they would like it to be or should be, where the relationships are not quite right, where they've been bruised and battered, and where they're successful as anything. They all come and they all experience the same wonderful grace from each other. And we don't tear at one another here. We don't do that. We just don't do that. You can even annoy me. It just, you know, have you ever noticed this? Pastor, have you ever noticed this? That when you make a promise to love your people, God just puts you next to one of them that just drives you crazy. <laughs> Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, church would be great except for the people. Oh, well, hang on. What am I saying, right? Crazy. Friends, this culture of honor, 
birthed in the Father's will for us, carrying a promise, I believe, is one of the ways we can change our nation by beginning here, but not stopping here, so that every person that touches our life only feels our encouragement. And when we have something we need to say, we go quietly to them, graciously to them, not insisting they see the world like me or you. You know, there are missiologists who say, and when we talk about preaching the gospel, there's a good chance that everyone who preaches the gospel is about one-third wrong. Oops. Yeah, but which third? Which third have I got wrong? Is it possible that the way I see something isn't completely right? Yes, that's possible. My wife has pointed out to me several times that I can be wrong about things. It's a revelation. Have you ever had that? Any man in this room had a revelation on that? Hallelujah, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My wife tells me I'm wrong. Oh, yes. We're going to have a chat about this over the ginger beer and the... Yeah. Yeah, you too, Roy. <laughs> All right. You know what I'm saying, right? So we have, we have uh, uh, this, this wonderful thing that has been planted on us by, by the Lord. And, and he says, regard, treat with honour, due respect and courtesy your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So remember, we're talking about a life of open acknowledgement of the blessing someone is to your life. And this submission is an action that carries the promise of a blessing. And my sense is that the Again, that I say this, the extra element of promise on this command is designed to encourage us to do this more and more. And not only to those who are our father and mother, but as we'll see, others as well. What we have to see, I believe, is that the honouring of our father and mother is the very foundation for all other social relationships Therefore, we understand why the enemy would get involved in destroying a father and a mother. All the research still points to the fact that children thrive where there's a father and a mother. All the research still does, notwithstanding that we've been making it easy for people to divorce since 1974, all the research still says that fathers and mothers together raise the most secure children. It's not a perfect system because the people involved aren't perfect. But yet we see that even now, a generation after that decision, we see the value of a father and mother caring and raising and nurturing the children. It makes sense, therefore, why the enemy would want to destroy fathers and mothers. It would make sense, therefore, why the enemy would want to make sure that instead of seeing God as a gracious father, we'd see him like some cosmic cop who was waiting to just blitz us with something. You step out of line, even one small bit, and I'll get you. I'll find something to pin on you, and I'll make you regret it. Yeah? 
Oh, it's possible that people like this, people even in this place, has that view of God. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you're not like that. Thank you, Lord, that you're a gracious Father. Thank you, Lord, that you never give up on us. And even when you discipline us, you're still looking forward to blessing us. How does he do that? Do you know, I tell you a funny story now because, because I can. Most, my mother and father have been with the Lord a long time. But my mother, I tell you, she had some classic lines. Did your mother have classic lines? Oh, wow. She would say when she was going to discipline me, this is going to hurt you more than me. <laughs> Dad even used that line. Now, I couldn't figure it out with him because it didn't look like it hurt him at all. <laughs> Go and get, you, get yourself, get me something to beat you with. Now, those were the days. <laughs> ah, they don't say that now. So you'd come back with a feather. <laughs> yeah. My mother used to hit me on the syllables. Didn't I tell you not to do that ever again? Anyone else? <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, deliver us. I was told by my psychiatrist that if I keep taking the tablets, I'm going to be fine. You know, I'm, just going, I'm going to get right through that. <clears throat> Isn't it understandable why the enemy would do all he could to destroy the reputations of people? Our brokenness is all around us. We are not perfect people. And yet God honours us by the giving of his son for us. The most precious thing he had, he gave for us. Why? Because we were weighty. We carried weight in the heavenly realms and in the earth. And so we, we got this invitation to honour God because this is what he wants us to do and how, how it helps us to change our lives and our families and our nations. And so when the apostles came to write their letters, we become aware of the wider scope that the commandment was now being used to interpret it, of course, begins with God. And the scripture in 1 Timothy 6, 16, to him be honor, chabod, be honor and dominion. Then he, we see it extended to parents in Ephesians 6, 1, 2 and 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And then it was to all those around you. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, outdo one another in showing honor. What a good text that one is. What a proof text for a church. Outdo one another. Outdo one another by showing honor. And if you want to know which translation that is, if I may just pause here for a moment and put my nerdy cap on again and tell you one of the best translations of the latest Greek renditions is the ESV. If you haven't, <laughs> thank you, brother. <laughs> I, I see that hand. All right, uh, this, uh, the ESV is a profoundly valuable uh, translation. That's a real translation, right? So if you're wanting a good translation, this is the commercial break before we return to the normal programming. You try the ESV, all right? 
Okay, all right, back to our program. So we see it for our parents and for all those, Romans 12 verse 10, outdo one another, outdo one another in showing honour. But then it talks about leaders in the church and teachers in the church. 1 Timothy 5:17. Let elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. And then the last one, even civil servants. Oh, there's an interesting one. Civil servants in Romans 13, verse 1. The scripture says, Pay to all what is owed to them. Honor to those to whom honor is owed. Friends, I, I remember as a very early on as a pastor, the Lord showed me one week how significant it was to stand before a group of God's people and I have been sick to my stomach with nerves every week since. I can't stand here and talk to you lightly I can't give you just anything because that's what I can do even if I'm clever with my presentation of it. You, you people, wearing the image of God, being in Christ Jesus, you have weight. I must treat you with honour. Honour and respect, you are due. Simply by being who you are. Isn't that lovely? And the Lord says, therefore we honour all those around us, but those who teach us, we, we double honour them because we know that they're going to have to answer to God. You know, I still, after 43 years, cannot eat until after I've preached. So you can imagine how relieved I am that the special food for fathers is... After, not before, because <laughs> I'd have been saying I can't do it, because I would have been sick. I remember, I remember actually eating before a service once, and was sick. I had to pause the service, and which was a little inconvenient and a little weird. You ever had someone say, "Oh, excuse me, just going out to be sick"? It changes the nature of the sermon. Gee, I didn't think it was that bad, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Honour those around us, leaders, civil servants. And so the meaning of this goes further and further. And it begins, <clears throat> therefore, uh, so we should talk now briefly about what does honouring someone do. Um, it is the practical outworking, first of all, of Ephesians 5, 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for God. You ever wondered how to do that? Honour one another. Text one another and thank God for them. Thank God for their influence. If you're grateful for what Pastor Dave has done, then, then reach out to him and honour him. If you're, even if you're not grateful for what he's done, reach out <laughs> and honour him. If you have a parent <clears throat> with whom you don't have a great relationship, start the process by reaching out to them and honour them. Speak to them with respect and honour because that is what your father wants of you. And you, you begin to change the whole tone of something 
by simply speaking with honour to one another. Friends, we have so many polarities. I'll bet if we took a view who's for this and who's for that, if we started, you know, even with things like vaccines, we'd, have, we'd be at one another's throats, some of us. It shall not be. How can we claim to be the body of Christ when we tear at one another over something like that? Oh, friends, no. Whether someone takes the vaccine or not, we honour. This is really important. Because if we want to change the country, we're going to have to be consistent with this. We can't just honour some people and not others. We have to honour everyone. I remember when I was at Etna Creek Jail years ago, being told by God, honour these men. But Lord, they've done all these things. Honour them. Treat them like they carry my image because they do. It changed the way I spoke to them. And we've got some folks who are in deep trouble. A young, young person stands before me not long ago, late last year. I'm a man now. And I honour you. I'm not going to beat you over the head. I'm not going to change you by that. We have so many polarities in this world. We won't leap across them, nor be a prophetic movement that stands and straddles both polarities and reaches out. There is an opportunity for us as the body of Christ to change the nature of our conversation as a country. And we could do it by starting, but all of us doing this. Yes, we have to have serious chats Yes, we have deep issues that have to be worked through, but we're never, never going to resolve them if we're at one another's throats. We have got to demonstrate for our countrymen what it's like to straddle polarities and differences and honour because God has told us to do it. And this is a big challenge for the church, but it is my conviction if we can learn to do it. And I'm not asking us to, oh, I'm going to change the country. No, no, no. I'm, I think the thing we say is we're here in this campus, we honour one another. That's what we do. And we're committed to that. And if someone does or says something that we don't agree with, we still honour them. And if someone's going through something that's not handling it correctly, we still honour them. And when somebody writes something on Facebook that we don't think they should have written, we don't actually berate them in public. We take them aside and loving them, speak our heart to them quietly with grace and mercy. This is not easy. This is blown up stuff. This is not going to be easy for us. For we define ourselves by what we believe. We have in-crowd people that are the ones who agree with me. And yet God wants us to reach out and include others in our in crowd. Oh, there's a big challenge here. There's a big challenge here. So we, we, um, it's the practical outworking of Ephesians 5. I'm getting a bit carried away. My apologies. I'll go quick now. It's the way we build others up. You speak with honour to one another. You can practice when you go out there. Honour one another. Honour one another. Just let it come through all your language. It also begins to, because it aligns us with our Father in heaven, 
It's the key area of relationships. He does not treat us as we deserve, correct? Yeah? He does not treat you as you deserve, correct? Yeah. Therefore, you don't treat others as they deserve either. You treat them with honour. Why? Because God told you to. The apostles took what was in Exodus 20 and extrapolated it right, right through life. It's the right model also for children. We need to show our children as early as possible to treat one another with honour. It's not easy to do that, but the adversarial spirit that often characterises relationships needs to be replaced with a culture of honour. And it begins when we, with the training of our children. In these days, we are very familiar with, the, um, with each other and we seem to honour those who have profile and influence, who deserve such honour, or because we want to be liked by them and so we honour them. But God, Yahweh, does not call for that. No, he calls for us to begin to develop a culture of honour by honouring those who raised us, who made mistakes concerning us, who didn't treat us always as they, we should have been treated. What a difficult thing this is. And yet honouring such people doesn't mean we approve of their bad behaviour or that we are overlooking it. Honouring is done despite that. We are not each other's judges. We are instead invited to honour one another. Let me just say that if you discern that the will of God is for you to honour others, that God will put in your way a person who has the capacity to undo your commitment in 10 seconds flat. You will learn this as I have. But you need to be aware that there are some things that will surely block a culture of honour and, of course, the promised blessing. If you want to ever stop a culture of honour from developing, there are three things you can easily do. They're effortlessly easy. First is take offence when someone says something. And I know I'm, Pastor David has, Dave has not mentioned that I should say this, but he loves me and I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I believe that it should be the culture of this church that everybody in it, whoever they are, we don't take offence. We just don't do it. We just don't do it. I mean, someone can drive us crazy but we just don't take offence. We just don't do that. So important. Oh, no. Another easy way you can do it is by measuring the behaviour of others differently to the way you measure your own behaviour. That'll help. Not. And then another way would be for you to see that the honouring of your father and mother is a way of getting blessing. You need to be obedient because it's simply the right thing to do. Well, how do we finish this? Well, let me make these couple of comments and we'll finish. By developing a culture of honour, we are building something that can affect the whole of Australia. Human society is changing to build very differently at the moment. 
A lot is happening that directly challenges the pattern of honoring in life that is implied by the fifth commandment. And you only need to look at social media for a little while to see that. We can't simply shriek at our countrymen and insist they listen. We can't do that. That time is gone, if it ever was. We can't stand on our pulpits and denounce people. We can't shriek about their behaviour. Even if it's wrong, we can't shriek about it and make that the issue. The issue is, and I believe it would change our country, is if every church committed itself to the honouring of others. I believe we would see a transformation. I believe we will draw people by that means into the experience of Christ and there they will find how much they are valued and blessed. Would the team come up, please? As we conclude today, I want you to take a moment to receive something yourself. Now, I want you to close your eyes if it helps. And there will be people that will come to mind really quickly that will speak to you about, you know, being good people and that you, you find it easy to honour. Now, I want you to bring someone that you're struggling with. You don't say it out loud. You don't have to tell anyone. You're not asking anyone to speak with anyone about this. This is you dealing with God right now. And you look at them as you can see them in your mind's eye, knowing them by name. And in your prayers right now, pray blessing on them. Release them from owing you anything. Release them. And invite them, invite the Lord rather, to bless them. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.